CA students, CA students, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to have you back. I have to say, that is the first time at CA students that in a game I have had the opportunity both to teach logarithms and juggle. Uh, so in the spirit of the new year, who wants a Twinkie? Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, it's gone. There's only one. There was only one Twinkie. Also, Kayla and I were, well, Kayla's reading it and she's telling me about it, Re learning this book about food. Twinkies are not food, they're food-like substances, I learned. So, <laughs> congrats catching that Twinkie. Uh, guys, good to see you. My name's Levi. Uh, I, I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And to add my welcome to others, happy 2022. Uh, anyone else feel like saying the school year is like, you have to say 20, 20 times? It's like, it's the 2021-2022 school year. <laughs> well, happy, happy new year, right? Uh, did you know it's going to be like that until 2030? Just so many, so many 2020, 2020, 2020. Anyways, um, so good to be back with you guys. I am just so excited to see what God has for us as a CA student's family this year. Amen? Amen, amen. I uh, want to tell you guys a funny little story. Uh, I was in track when I was in high school. Any track runners or field people? Yes, season's starting in a month or two. It's exciting. Uh, and I ran track all four years of my high school career. And I, uh, the first two years, I, uh, I took things pretty easy. Just to be honest, I was athletic enough to win most events most of the time. And I, like, I, I did all the workouts. I wasn't lazy, but I also wasn't like the most hardcore practicing, right? And I had a lot of friends who did track and your boy had a lot of homework. Anyone else, right? So uh, if you've never been to a track meet, uh, when you're running in the meet or doing a field event, you do your event, and then there's a lot of downtime between your next event or, like, your other friends, right? And so I spent a lot of that time doing some homework, hanging out with my friends, right? But then junior year, something happened. You see, I went to uh, Crescenta Valley High School, Go Falcons. And at Crescenta Valley High School, Go Falcons, there is a, another school that we do not like and they're called Arcadia. <laughs> and if you go to Arcadia, I love you in Christ, right? <laughs> uh, no, just kidding, kinda, right? But, so the way track works is uh, you have a dual meet, which is like you have a track meet against one other team throughout the year against all the teams in your league. And then after that, there's like this big mega track meet where every team in your league competes once, that's league prelims, and then you have the next week league finals, right? So we always have Arcadia as the final dual meet of the season. In my junior year, long jump was my thing. I also love triple jump, a couple of relays, pole vault, right? But long jump was my thing. In my junior year, against Arcadia, I lost long jump. And in that moment, I realized something. I don't like losing to Arcadia. <laughs> I don't like it at all. And, and, and in that moment, I realized I really, really want to win next time I race or jump against Arcadia, I resolved in a deep place in myself that I was going to give this everything I had, right? And so the very next week uh, was league prelims, and then league finals were the, the next week after that. And so at league finals, <coughs> you know what I did? I decided not to hang out with my friends, not to do homework. I did an hour and a half warm up for one event. 
right? I was like, I am going all in. I'm giving this everything I have. And you know what happened when I resolved, when I decided to actually go really as hard as I could? I PR'd and I was league champion in long jump, right? And so first of all, what, Arcadia? Second of all, <laughs> second of all, I, I actually decided to put forward my best and something came of it, right? And as I think about that story, it has parallels to my faith journey as well. You see, there have certainly been seasons of my life where I've kind of just been drifting through my relationship with God, right? It wasn't great, but it wasn't so bad, right? I was afraid of missing out on so many other things in life, like getting the best grades, making sure that that, that girl over there in the back noticed me, right? <laughs> like, I was, I was afraid of making sure all these things happened in my life. I had so much fear of missing out. My life would become so crowded that at the end of a day, I would realize I did all my homework, I talked to all my friends, I went to all my practices, I got all the likes, I did all my chores, and I could get to the end of the day, and it would seem like a really successful day, but then I realized I never thought about or talked to God. And when you stop giving your time and your attention to God through prayer, through coming to church and reading his word, it's a short step to then not giving him your love and your affection. And then it's an, a very short step to not obeying him or following him anymore. And I don't, I don't say this to make anyone feel guilty in here tonight. Remember, I've been there before. I say this because following Jesus, I need you to be so clear, following Jesus requires a choice from you. And everyone in all of history has to make that choice of whether they're going to follow Jesus or not. And so here we are. We're at the top of another year, and everyone's thinking about resolutions, right? Whether it has to do with kale or juggling or whatever. But see, students, I want to tell you there has never been a better time for you to resolve to follow Jesus. And so we're starting a new series that's just going to go for this month. It's just called Resolve. It's about are we going to make that choice to follow Jesus? We're going to talk about that for the next few weeks and the next few minutes. Would you pray with me? And ask that God would speak to us as we come to his word. Lord Jesus, ultimately, we need you for our lives to count for anything. And so, God, I pray that you would show yourself to us right now. Would you be so kind as to show us ways that we're hiding from you? Would you be so kind as to show us ways that we're being lazy, ways that we aren't giving you the fullness of our lives? so that we can repent and come to abundant life in you. Jesus, we need you to do that work for us. As we do that, would we experience the fullness of your grace, your love, and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read a, a quick verse from the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, equip yourselves also with the same resolve. When it says same resolve, it's talking about Christ's resolve have the same resolve as Jesus in order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. Have the same resolve as Jesus himself in order to live the time remaining in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. I was so struck by that verse. I wanted to just look up the dictionary definition of resolution, no, it's not just how many pixels are on a screen, right? The dictionary definition of resolution is a firm determination to do something. What it means is I've decided to do this and nothing's going to stop me. 
I've decided to do this, and nothing is going to make me take a different path. And so here's the main point for tonight and for the series for the next few weeks. Uh, if you want to take notes, there's some handouts in the back, but whatever. The main point is this. You will not drift towards Jesus. You must decide to follow him. You will not drift towards Jesus. There is no automatically moving towards Jesus. You must decide to follow him in your life. And I, I can imagine some people might hear that and be thinking or just maybe feeling like, I thought it was all about God's grace that saves us, right? I thought we don't, like, we don't strive to, like, be good enough to earn salvation. It's by God's grace that we're saved. And I would say, absolutely, correct, right? But God's grace is not just a free pass to coast through life doing whatever you want. God's grace is a catalyst that jumpstarts our new life in him to start living a different way. Grace is, is opposed to earning your salvation, but grace is not opposed to effort. Grace, we do not earn our salvation, but we do work and we work hard to live into the new life that Jesus has made available for us. Grace is opposed to earning, but it is not opposed to effort. And so I just want to ask the question, why doesn't drifting work, right? Like, I'm here at church, right? Isn't that like good enough? Right? Like, why doesn't drifting, why can't I drift towards Jesus in my life? It's because discipleship is the opposite of drifting. Discipleship is the opposite of drifting. You might be thinking, well, what's discipleship, right? Discipleship means you're a disciple of someone. Gotcha. With an unhelpful definition, right? And being a disciple of someone means that you're a student of theirs, right? And so if you're a disciple of someone, if you're a student of someone, you're learning to think the way they think. You're learning to talk the way they talk, to do what they do. In other words, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then you are day by day becoming like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It's studying Jesus and obeying, following him, so that day by day my identity is transformed to become more like him. Discipleship is the process of identity transformation. And so here's the thing. Drifting is literally doing nothing. It's just like letting life happen to you instead of actually doing something. And so in that sense, drifting is not learning about Jesus or becoming like him. Drifting does nothing to transform you, to become like Jesus. If you want to take following Jesus seriously, it requires action, not passivity. You need to choose that. Discipleship, it's the process of deciding again and again and again and again until I am transformed into something new. You see, I feel like sometimes we can think that giving your life to Jesus is about one big moment at a fall retreat or a hume, right? It's like, yes, Jesus, I give my life to you. All right, it's done. I gave my life to Jesus, right? It's like we imagine, like, your life is this $100 bill, Look at that Benjamin. He's so big on that bill. It's like, and this is your whole life, right? It's like fall retreat or Hume or whatever. It's like, boom, take it, Jesus. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus now. I gave my life to him. Look, it's on the table, right? And then we just go on and live our lives however we want, drifting, coasting, right? That's not how it works. The only way to give your life to Jesus is one day at a time. It's not so much giving God a $100 bill one time. It's about giving him a penny every day. 
and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. It's not giving God a $100 bill at camp. It's about giving a penny every day. Today, I'm going to submit to my parents. Today, I'm going to be honest instead of covering up the truth. Today, I'm going to forgive that jerk that somehow God loves. Today, I'm going to choose purity instead of porn. Today, I'm going to read scripture and pray before I even touch my phone so that I am sure I am prioritizing my time with God. Today, I'm going to follow Jesus. And see, students, what happens is day after day after day of that, when you choose to commit yourself to learning the way that Jesus thinks, the way he talks, the way he does, when you do that, you will become more like him. But it's a decision that you make every single day. It's not something you do once and then it's done. It's something you live into every single day. You cannot drift towards Jesus. You must decide to follow him. Whoa. I have decided and nothing will stop me. I love that word decide. Jake just told me this the other day. Did you know the root of the word decide comes from the word to cut? Oh, that's so hardcore, right? And, and here's what it means. Etymologically, this is what it's talking about. When you make a decision, imagine there are like these two ropes tied to you, that these are your two options, right? And you could go with this one rope this way, or you could go with this other rope this way. What it means to decide is you cut the other rope off of you, and you go with this rope instead. Literally, to decide on one thing means you are deciding not the other things. It's, it's an exclusive activity. Deciding is the opposite of keeping your options open. Our culture is obsessed with keeping options open. And you want to know why? It's because our culture is, a, is absolutely gripped by FOMO, by the fear of missing out. We think that we are just going to like, if, if I, well, if I do this, then I'm not going to be able to, yes, exactly. That's what it means. You decided. You cut it off, right? And we're just going to get so afraid of that. But let me just tell you something as a pastor that loves you. See, students, you will miss out on things. You will miss out on things. And can I tell you that's not that bad? It's not that bad <laughs> to miss out on things. You are one person. You cannot buy all the things, go all the places, date all the people, eat all the food, watch all the shows, or have all the experiences. You're going to miss out on some things, and that's not that bad. Here's what is bad. Missing out on the important things. Missing out on the greater things. If you always keep all your options open, that means you're not deciding on anything, and you're staying stuck with two ropes attached to you, pulling you in opposite directions, never going in either direction. If you never choose one thing, you choose nothing. And you experience none of it. It means you're missing out on everything. The fear of missing out is the best way to miss out on everything. See, students, there is no such thing as perfect balance. There is only priorities in life. Our culture will try to convince you that if you just have the right system or the best task management, right, or you buy the right product, you'll be able to do everything in life. You'll have, be able to have that perfect diet, that perfect exercise regimen, perfect grades, perfect relationships, perfect work, and on and on and on. It's not true. It's not true. You can't do everything you must choose. You must decide. You must resolve. What is going to get your time? Because what gets your time gets your life. What is going to get your time? What is going to get your attention? What is going to get your devotion? CA students, to decide to follow Jesus 
means to cut off other things in your life. Resolving to follow Jesus involves a lot of things, but I want to go back to our theme verse to draw two things out. Can we pull that first Peter verse back up? It says, therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, equip yourselves also with the same resolve as him. In order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. Hear that again. No longer for human desires, but for God's will. Right? Following Jesus means a lot of things, but it means living no longer for human desires, but for God's will. Let's talk about that first one first. Uh, no longer for human desires. When the Bible talks about human desires, it has two main things in mind. First, it is talking about sin, desires that are contrary to God's will, contrary to God's way. And what we see in Scripture and in world history and in my own life is that whenever I choose to go against God's good design, it breaks me and it breaks the people around me. God isn't a killjoy. He wants to save you from your sin. And that's why he's calling you away from your sin, because he wants to call you away from death. And he wants to call you to life, an abundant life. And he wants that for you. God is calling us away from sin to choose to believe what God says is true and to live according to that instead. But the other thing the Bible has in mind when it talks about human desires are other good things that have taken the place of the ultimate thing. You see, a, a lot of you guys have a lot of things going on in life. You've got school. You've got sports. You've got extracurriculars. You've got clubs and all, all these other things, right? You've got things going on. And I want to say, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing, right? Like, I, I got good grades, right? I, I, I was a league champion. Sports, right? Like, I played, I played sports, right? I, I hung out with friends. Like, these are good things. But here's the problem. When one of those good things takes God's seat, it becomes a counterfeit God in your life. And you, when you give the best of your time and your attention to this thing instead of God, you're expecting that thing to give you what only God can give you. It's going to destroy you, and you're going to be disappointed in that thing. God is not saying you can't do these good things. He's saying don't do these good things in place of me, right? And even the Bible sees this, even about exercise, right? In 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, For physical training is of some value, exercise, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. See, students, this is what God is saying. If you choose to exercise, that's great. I encourage you to exercise. Hear me loud and clear. I exercise, right? But the goodness of exercise stops with this life when I die. But if I choose to commit myself to growing in godliness, first of all, that's going to improve my life now. But then also, that's going to last for eternity. See, students, this is what God is calling us to. Put aside human desires. If something is only going to last until the point that you die, you can give some time to it, but don't let it be your God. Don't let it take the best of your time. Don't let it take the best of your affection, the best of your attention. Give that exclusively to God because he's the only one that's going to last for eternity. Here's, here's a good rule of thumb. If it lasts for eternity, that should get the best of your time. If it, lasts, if it doesn't last for eternity, you can give some time to it, but don't let it consume your life. Don't, let your, don't attach your emotions to something that is not secure for eternity. See, students, we all need to take inventory of our lives and discern what, 
what is taking my time? Because what's taking my time is taking my life. And is that worth my life? Then there's the other part of that verse. No longer for human desires, but for God's will. What is God's will? Sometimes people can get really complicated with like, what's God's will for my life? And they think it's this like one hyper-specific path through their life. And like, oh no, I fell off the track of God's will. That's not what God's will is. Biblically, God's will for your life is becoming more and more and more and more like Jesus. In holiness and in character, right? In your purity of your love and obedience to Jesus, but also growing to be like him in, in his kindness, in his love, in his patience, in his self-control, becoming more and more like Jesus. That is the preeminent will of God for your life. And then from there, I feel like our church, CA, has a really good, just, we call them our three core values, worship, family, and kingdom, that I think really well sum up what devotion to Jesus look like. First of all, worship. It's your intimate friendship relationship with God. What does this look like? It, it looks like worshiping when we're here at CA Students, but it's also worshiping when you're at home. Your times of prayer with God. Getting, getting in God's word. It's also your obedience to God. Jesus says, the person who loves me will obey me, <laughs> right? And so the way that you obey God, the way that you become friends with God, spend quality time with God, pray to God, listen to God, read his word, that is part of God's will for your life. After worship, it's family, committing yourself to serving and encouraging the local church. Hey, you're here tonight. Well done, right? But I want to I continue to advise you, don't just come here and coast. Don't just come here and drift. Come here intent on serving and encouraging your church family. Because here's the secret. If that sounds like work to you, it's because you haven't yet realized that if everyone comes and does that, it's a party, not work. <laughs> right? It, it's a party. When everyone comes to serve and encourage, everyone gets served and encouraged a hundredfold. You don't need to have a poverty mindset when you commit yourself to doing things God's way. Family. Serve and encourage the local and the global church. And then finally, it's worship, family, and kingdom. Serving and inviting those outside of the church. People who don't yet know Jesus, serving them, not because they deserve it, not because they don't deserve it, serving them because Jesus served first, and then also inviting them into relationship with Jesus, inviting them into things that will last for eternity, inviting them to what matters the most, the life abundant now and life abundant for eternity. This is God's will for your life, CA students, to become like Christ to dedicate yourself to worship your God, to know him intimately, to obey him, to love and serve and encourage your church family, and to serve and invite those not yet in your church family. So I just want to make pause for a moment of reflection. How are you going to resolve to follow Jesus this year? Aiden, you can come up and we're going to close in just a moment. See, students, maybe you need to focus in on, I'm, I'm no longer going to live for human desires, you know? I'm not going to spend all of my time in the gym trying to get a certain physique that's going to impress people. I'm not going to spend all my time getting the next point of GPA, whatever. I'm not going to spend all my time doing all these lesser things. I'm going to give the best of my time to things that matter for eternity, 
Maybe, maybe there is a pattern of sin that you need to confess and repent and get accountability for so that you can be free of it. Maybe it's, but you want to dedicate yourself more fully to God's will. What is a step you can take in worship? Maybe for you, you've never had a consistent plan for reading the Bible. It's time to experience God in that way. It's, it's not a have to, it's a get to, to experience God, to grow in intimacy with him. Maybe, maybe you need to commit to your church family, right? And not just showing up, but committing to encouraging each other. Maybe you need to commit to God's kingdom, deciding that I'm going to be a part of God's justice, of God's love, of God's generosity exploding out from me into the world around me. See, students, this isn't going to just happen. It's going to happen if you decide to do it. And it's, it's not about earning salvation. It's not about earning God's love. It's about God has given us his grace, and now that grace empowers us to live fully into the life that he has created for us. And so I'm inviting you. I'm going to be doing this, not perfectly, but increasingly. And I want you to do that with me. I want you in on this journey that as a church family, as a CA student's family, more than 2021, we are going to be resolved to follow Jesus in 2022. Amen? I'm going to just open up a time of prayer and just a time for you to speak with and listen to the Holy Spirit to decide how you are going to resolve to follow him. And after 30 seconds or a minute, Aiden's going to start leading a little bit of worship. Uh, and he'll, in a second, he'll lead you to stand up. And when he does, there'll be some leaders around the room. If you just want to talk with a leader about something you feel the Lord is laying on your heart or pray with a leader to get some encouragement to make a plan, I really encourage you to talk to a leader. Um, but regardless, we can all end in worship. So for now, let's just pray and reflect and listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Holy Spirit, in your kindness, would you guide us towards how we can more fully resolve to follow you this year?